step into the sin bin. This is Penalty Box Radio. Four-time Best Sports Blog winner. With Justin Bradford. Three-time winner for Best Sports Reporter and Commissioner of the SECHC. And Glenn Blackwell. It's time to talk all things hockey in the music city. Penalty Box Radio is on. Smashville's Best Sports Talk. ESPN. 1025 The Game. Welcome to Penalty Box Radio here on ESPN 1025 The Game. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell, producer Kenny behind the glass can take care of us tonight. And it is uh, it is a day in the sports world that we've been experiencing so much history uh, this year and so much history in sports, history in terms of what is going on in our our world and our country just in the past few months, it seems, that obviously as this year has dragged on, as it feels like at times, that we are experiencing a time that doesn't feel like it's anything new to so many folks out there that, yes, we're jumping right into serious conversation because it just calls for it with what is going on in sports today. Uh, And to keep it relevant, that we are experiencing things that have been going on for decades. And the sports world is really waking up to it here recently. And players are realizing that they have voices, whether it's college football and what we've seen with players organizing there when it comes to how universities are handling the situation in the pandemic and to civil rights, which has been absolutely tremendous. And what we're seeing for those that do not know the NBA postponing games, but it wasn't done on their own accord, it was the Milwaukee Bucks players that decided to make it happen and decided to boycott games, thus leading to the postponement. You have the MLB teams that are boycotting games and not wanting to play. And then you have the NHL, who is just going to have a moment of reflection. Obviously, lots of calls being made for the NHL to postpone or to delay. But the thing is, it's got to be up to the players. It's got to be to the players, and we're going to get to even more of that here in a little bit because we have a, a loaded show tonight. We're going to talk concussion health with former NHL Kyle Wellwood. We will discuss the playoffs and upcoming draft and free agency with Stephen Ellis and get to your questions as well, but that's the first segment is there's so much to discuss here first. So let's just take a step back a few days. Glenn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and let me just <laughs> say this too. Um, I think that the old the old stick to sports – thing let me just say that is the largest deflection to an important conversation that's why we're still having to continue to have these conversations in 2020 because that is that's people's excuse to not have a conversation that makes them uncomfortable and at this point like you said it has to be the players coming out and saying look I will not just stick to sports I mean it's it is at this point I would expect nothing less. I real I mean because this is you have a platform 100% support use it. Use your voice. You're right. So let's it, st- let's step back a few days. Okay. 
and get into the NHL and work into what's happened over the previous week since we've been on what air. Is, I don't even know what else happened. So because I want to address it because I have opinions. This is my one time a week to really voice those opinions because I don't mm-hmm. like typing it out because you can't hear the tone of my voice mm-hmm. and what I truly feel about this. And I feel like listeners appreciate that as well, that I can voice his opinions. And I appreciate the comment that we had because it, Yesterday we celebrated our our birthday, Penalty Box Radio. We did. It's our eighth birthday, and one of the comments was, "You know, I I don't always agree with what you guys have to say, but I respect where you're coming from, and you always back up what you're saying, even if I don't agree with it." And that's what's important to us is mm-hmm. that we we have opinions, and I never expect anyone to fully 100% agree with me. That'd be dangerous yeah. <laughs> for anyone to 100% agree. I want everyone to have their own thoughts and opinions out there, too. But back it up. That's what's mm-hmm. important is to back it up. So let's go back to John Tortorella. Find $25,000 for the way he handled his end of playoff series post-game press conference. Well, press conference in quotes, right? Yeah. Because really, did it really exist? No, it, it didn't exist. And he said he wasn't going to address it. He, yeah. Here's the thing. People are laughing about it. Well, the media shouldn't ask stupid questions. The media, what do the media deserve? Well, one, it's your job as the coach. You take the job as the head coach, right? That to know, yes, you're coaching the team, but you are expected to address the media and answer questions for how your team performed. Mm-hmm. Now, in a normal job, I guess, in a day-to-day job, the questions you're answering are from your supervisors or things like that, and who holds you accountable there, right? Or, for instance, if you have stockholders, you answer questions from stockholders. You have a board, you answer to the board, right? Well, obviously, he's answering to ownership and general manager of the Blue Jackets, but also the media to get the message out of what he has to say. Mm-hmm. So it's absolutely absurd to just ignore questions like that. It is your job to answer questions and people will laugh it off like <laughs> oh that's that, torts being torts yeah but that's the thing that's been going on for years, years. this is his shtick this is what he does that's what he does but that's getting old because it's almost as though he's like he's almost bullying the media to be scared to ask him questions yeah. and if i remember correctly was it neil McHale that asked the question all he did was ask about the bubble experience right. that's not a stupid question that's a fair enough question to ask somebody yeah I don't care if you're coming off of a win, loss, whatever. It is your job. You're a coach. You owe the fans something, right? Something. These are the people that support your team. You owe them something. He's a fantastic coach, but I think that when you go up there and not act like a good human being, it's just rude. Just I don't like, I'm, I'm tired of it, and I'm so tired of everybody coming back to him just like you just said. Oh, yeah, that's just who he is. No. Fix it's, it. It's it's an annoying act, I feel like, and I don't like it. It's annoying. Answer the questions. That's your job. Answer the questions. Next, Mike Milbury. If you follow me on Twitter, you know my thoughts here. And what I've seen are people that are like, that's what he got let go for? That's why he's not an Air for? If those are the thoughts coming out of your head, then that's why we have a problem. That's why we have an issue in sports. That's why we're having issues in the NHL is because – you're downgrading, diminishing types of comments like that, saying it should be okay to say things like that. Well, he meant to say just no distractions. If he meant to say no distractions, then he should have said no distractions, period. And he came back the next day and said, I meant to be irreverent. Um, okay. Yeah, right ever. <laughs> Bull. 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 Don't, don't even come out with this yeah. like, like that where you're trying to be irreverent. Kiss my butt, Milbury. I, I don't care what you have to say about that. You're awful at your job. You're an awful analyst. As Chris Mason says, it sucks. He's awful at commentary. Has no reason for being able to be part of the game, to represent the game that we love. That's what we look at this as. If you're trying to grow the game 
and grow the game to where you want to bring more people in to appreciate the game that's being watched. You have to have people in those positions of influence that can analyze the game, break it down, attract new fans. Where in the hell does Mike Milbury attract new fans? It's all the old guard with his antics of, well, P.K. Subban's a clown because he's dancing and having fun during warm-ups. Is he going to say the same thing about Ryan Johansson, who also has fun during warm-ups? Then, oh, Alex Ovechkin could, needs to act like a man and applauding a cheap headshot from Sidney Crosby on Ovechkin. Or that the Sedins are Thelma and Louise. This whole thing about calling them girls is so old, it's ridiculous. It's old, it's overplayed. It is ridiculous to even bring that up. And then, then Jake Muzzin, when he was actually injured... He was down on the ice and vulnerable. Milbury suggested that it wouldn't hurt if he just stayed down to take the whistle. And Muzzin was stretchered off. No place in our game for that type of commentary. You want to grow the game, you do it right, and you have actual good analysis of the game and what is going on in the game. And if you can't comprehend that, then how do you love the game? How do you love the game of hockey if you do not want it to grow, you do not want it to be represented by people that actually truly respect the game? Mike Milbury has zero respect for the game of hockey. He attacked a fan with a shoe. Not only that, he was just an awful general manager as well. So where does he get off being a representative of this sport? It's atrocious, and the thing is, it came off that it was his decision. It shouldn't have been his decision. He should have been fired so long ago, it's ridiculous. And it comes out that, oh, his decision to not take part in this. No, you do not let him walk off into glory on his own accord. It should have been NBC's decision from the first. The NHL even had to apologize for it. What is NBC even thinking, saying, oh, well, on his decision? Ridiculous. And now we come to what's going on today with the NHL. And if you're still tuning in, thank you so much. Because um, we might say stuff that's going to turn us off. Right now, the NHL having a moment of reflection. It's not enough. Mm-mm. It's not enough. We still have so much when it comes to so many things in sports, and especially the NHL, where it's the good old boy system in many ways. And they've made some strides. We've seen it with Matt Dumba. Mm-hmm. We've, we've seen it so, so much that they've made some strides. And today was an opportunity, and they didn't take it. And I'm not blaming the NHL on this. This is on the players. Mm-hmm. This is on the players to start taking stands and to be more vocal about things. And you see little things about being vocal. There's a whole Logan Couture mess yeah. that happened overnight, which just go to Twitter on that. My God, what yeah, is going on? Yeah. And then John- Jonathan Marcheseau attacking fans on Instagram and issuing an apology. Mm-hmm. But players have voices. And if you're out there calling them crybabies for taking a stand for what they believe... And having a conversation that's necessary. And having a conversation and having a conversation about human rights and civil rights and wanting to have difficult conversations and taking a stand for something that is important to them. And you're calling them crybabies because they make a lot of money. Yet they're the ones that actually have a voice of influence that people listen and look up to them, that people see them as role models. Don't you want your role models standing up for things that are truly about to make a difference and truly for something that is right? You don't want role models that sit back and are silent when things need to be done. And this is for any matter of change that we need to have in our society. But when you have an opportunity to have a voice and you have people out there calling them the crybabies, they're the snowflake. You want to throw around the term snowflake about people and everything? The people that are on there always commenting on social media negative things and making fun of stuff. What are you doing with your life? 
You're just sitting there commenting on things that you have no idea about, that you have no care in the world about, that you are just commenting on Facebook or on Twitter and making fun of people that are actually trying to utilize their voice to make a difference. You're the snowflake. Stick to sports, my butt. All right. Politics and sports have been hand in hand for decades. Let's go back to the Olympics. How many decades ago during the civil rights movement? Okay. How many decades ago was that? This has been something that's been going on for years. In the 60s, an NBA game was postponed and Bill Russell helped lead it for the civil rights movement. This is not something new. This is a problem and an issue that we've been facing for years and we have not found a way to fix it. We have not come to a solution on this for any sport. They have a voice. They're humans. Yeah, they make a lot of money, and so many of them do great good with that money as well by being involved in their communities and giving. But they shouldn't have to report back to you of everything they do to spend their money on. They're involved. They're highly involved. Pretty much every single athlete, professional athlete out there is involved in their community and giving money to support it. Now they're using their voices, and you get upset because of that, that they actually utilize their voices, and that this isn't some Roman times or gladiator times, that they're just out there and performing for you to have fun and entertain, and that's it? That they are slaves to your entertainment? That's what it's starting to sound like from a lot of these stick to sports people out there. That, you know what, just go play the sport, but no voices, then go back to your cages, and then we'll give the thumbs up, thumb down if you get to live, or you're going to face the line or something like this. It's total gladiator movement out there. that They're just pawns out there for your entertainment. They're not. It's their job, yes, and they get paid to do it, but they have a voice. And they're standing up for it now, and I want to see more of it. I don't want to see more of it out of the sport of hockey. I want to see more of it out of the sport that we love, that they stand up for what they believe, and they have difficult conversations. If you are not uncomfortable, you're not making change, and you're not having that conversation. It is uncomfortable to talk about, and it needs to be uncomfortable, and I want to see them do it more. Yes. Up next, let's talk concussions. It's another topic that has been hotly contested and hotly talked about just in all sports in general that just needs more awareness and how we can continue to normalize that discussion in young student athletes and young athletes out there everywhere. Kyle Wellwood, former Canuck, Jet, Shark, and Maple Leaf will join us up next from Head Check Health on Penalty Box Radio, ESPN 102.5 The Game. Welcome back to Penalty Box. We're here on ESPN 102.5 The Game. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell, producer Kenny behind the glass taking care of us. And switching topics here, very important one, especially to us here as we've talked about it plenty of times, but it is always important to bring up this conversation as we continue on here on concussions. Kyle Wellwood, former NHLer, joining us on the line right now. Kyle, welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me. Absolutely. So, I mean, just you had a great career in the NHL and seeing this, and now you have an opportunity to to help make changes in the future of not just hockey, but the future of sports in general with concussion awareness and protocols to bring awareness of that as well. So you being an investor of Head Check Health and also now being a board member too, just what got you interested in wanting to support this software? Well, I think uh, just my experience playing hockey and going through um, – you know, all the minor leagues and the, the juniors and the NHL and knowing uh, all my teammates and myself who've, uh, you know, had had injuries and, you know, never really knew how to look after themselves and, and didn't know what to ask or what to do um, when I was finishing up uh, school here after I retired. Um, some people in the business community here introduced me to Head Check Health and, 
um, I became an investor and, and we started uh, working on some of the major hurdles we had in uh, you know, getting everybody sort of uh, focused on, on following the same protocols. And Kyle, going back to when you were playing professionally in the National Hockey League and before, obviously, like you mentioned, being in the front lines of all this, the physical nature of the game, did you realize when you were in it the gap between the protocols and how they were and where they possibly needed to be to kind of bridge that gap? Um, no, I think I think uh, you're pretty laser focused when you're a player, and you know your focus is on playing hockey and playing hockey well, and your health is is generally secondary to that. Uh, you're, you're used to playing through you know foot injuries and hand injuries and hips, and yeah, I mean you're always hurt. So um, you looked at the head injury sort of the same way. And, uh, you know, I think everybody sort of recognized now that it may be an injury that you need to look at a little bit differently and be um, proactive about uh, managing it and making sure you're, you're you know, symptom-free before you're, you're resuming play. And going off of that, we can't stress enough the importance of this conversation and the importance of normalizing, especially for younger and developing players, on speaking openly about how you're feeling and what you're feeling. You know, oftentimes teams are made up of players who don't want to let their teammates down, so some injuries go undiagnosed because players don't really want to speak up. So what are just some tips, I guess, for coaches, players, and parents um, for having the conversation and normalizing it to not just prioritize your physical health but your mental health as well? Yeah, I think I think that's something that parents need to talk to their kids about is, is if, if they do get... Uh, uh, you know, knocked around in a game or they they feel like their head's uh, shook and, you know, they may have start to get headaches or any symptom of a brain injury that they need to uh, tell them, the parents, the teammates and, and the coach. And, you know, hopefully there is uh, somebody on a medical question on the sidelines, but I, I know um, from experience that most of the, you know, the, the high school age and the other uh Amateur organizations don't have that, so uh, you really have to rely on yourself to, you know, take yourself out of the game and 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 check how you're feeling for 48 hours to to see if you need to see a medical professional. And Kyle Wellwood joining us here on Penalty Box Radio played with the Jets, the Canucks, uh, the Sharks, and the Maple Leafs, and. Kyle, looking at Head Check Health and what it offers, just I guess if you could give everybody a rundown of what this tool does, because that's one of those things that helps in terms of diagnosis. That if they have a way to make it easier to diagnose and an easier way to help players in, in any in any sport as well, that makes it easier to just normalize it and to talk about it, so where you're not having to go through all these major steps, but you have a tool to do it. So, what exactly does Head Check Health and that concussion tool do? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I, I think there there are many companies out there looking to make uh, tests and trying to get uh, ways to work on healing different symptoms and so forth. Uh, what we do is we make it easier for organizations to follow the protocol and ensure that, uh, you know, the medical professionals and the teams within their system are following what, what they've been asked to do. And we make that easy to do. So if you took, uh, you know, the Canadian Football League, uh, for example, um, we, we just make it, once the medical community says, okay, this is what A, B, C, D, E, and F you're supposed to do, um, we sort of digitize that and we make it easy for them to follow. So if it was the National Predators, they would be under the you know, NHL's umbrella and they would have the NHL medical 
people saying you need to do this. And if somebody suspects of a head injury, we make it easy to do all the tests necessary. So we don't uh, make the tests that they need to do. We don't choose what they need to do. The medical professionals do, and we just make it easier for them to do that and, and follow up with the players to make sure it was followed. And, and access like that is what's so important, too, because it takes that step-by-step guide as well by taking what the medical professionals say and, and going from there. And, and I spoke with, with Harrison, the CEO, yesterday about it as well, so got a really good look at that, and we'll post that podcast uh, later this week. And so looking at this as well, too, and why there's an importance for it, because I think with concussions, too, some people think, well, I just got rattled, but I'm, I'm feeling fine uh, two days later. But what are some of the effects that concussions can have on people, whether it's a year down the road or even five years down the road? There are some serious issues, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's rare um, that, you know, they, they, I think after two or three weeks, generally a lot of the, the major symptoms go away. But there's lots of times where, you know, there's every, every person's unique, but uh, they'll keep trying to play through it throughout their, their sport season and things will progressively get worse and, and they, it becomes really difficult to heal and, and then they don't know where to go and uh, it's really hard to find concussion specialists based on your specific symptom that you're having. If you're having poor vision or um, headaches or migraines or you know, you're, you're sensitive to light or hearing or every time you focus on, on reading it's difficult. So it can get really, really challenging to heal. Um, and, you know, there's specialized concussion clinics, but, but it's, it's still, you know, a difficult science for sure. And before we have to let you go, I mean, because you did have a career that you played in three different Canadian markets and, and also played a year in San Jose. And just it's always good to, to hear some stories as well, too. What was one of your favorite moments that's not like a goal scored moment or anything like that about being able to play in the National Hockey League? Because everybody knows it's, it's a gift to be able to have that thing in your career. So what was a moment that kind of stands out to you about your career? Uh, I, I think my my favorite moment um, it was my first goal. I think you know when 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 you finally make it and you get out there, uh, you know you don't feel like you really made it until you get your first goal. So I think that was probably the funnest uh, uh, time was, was was scoring that first goal personally. But uh, just just meeting the, the the guys that I got to play with and how much fun you can have in the locker room. I I got to play with Hal Gale and Chris Mason. So. Um, you know, there's a lot of really funny guys out there, and uh, it's it just it's, it was just nice to be around the guys every day. Yeah, those guys are definitely characters. That's, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, Kyle, we appreciate you taking the time to join us and to talk about this because it's a very important issue out there. And just thank you for putting your time and effort into raising more awareness about concussions. And hopefully, someday we can get to that point where it is a normal conversation to have that you know people are fully aware of it and fully aware of what the effects are. And we just appreciate you doing it. Okay. Well, thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Folks, Kyle Wellwood, he played with the Jets, the Sharks, the Canucks, and with the Maple Leafs and part of Head Check Health now, a tool that's utilized to to help take players through the steps of getting over concussions and with diagnosis and stuff like that. So very important as well. Mm -hmm. So I know we always have coaches and parents listening to the show. Check that out. They're working with a lot of different leagues from multiple sports. So it's not just a hockey thing out there. And I just went through CDC concussion training this week for my new day job with Total Package Hockey and learning about that as well. That remember, most concussions are happening from player-on-player contact. It's not them flying into the boards Mm -hmm. or anything like that in hockey. It's usually contact, and you don't always know that you have a concussion. There are certain things that that are signs of that, and just be aware that if you do not feel right, it is okay to take yourself out of the game. Coaches, it is okay 
to address that. Parents, it's mm-hmm. okay to address it. It's okay to talk about this. It's very serious. It can lead to issues far down the road like CTE, and you don't even know that till you're dead. Yeah. And so, I mean, I think one takeaway, um, when he answered my question about, you know, did he, when he was in it, realize the gap in the protocol? And he actually said no. He said, you're so laser, laser focused on the game that you're not. And so therein is a problem. If Players, obviously, they, they should be so laser focused on the game, but they also need to have somebody on the sidelines that's going to be there to, you know what, when they skate off, say, look. I know you think you're fine, but let's just go. Let's just go through this really, really quick. And that's what this is for. It's for mm-hmm. ease, for quickness, um, and for clarity. So I think that's a very important takeaway from what he said. It absolutely is. Okay, up next, let's talk playoffs. Let's talk upcoming draft, free agency, and so much more. Stephen Ellis, an alum of Penalty Box Radio, but now with the hockey news here on Penalty Box Radio, ESPN 1025, The Game. I was really rooting for you. Welcome back to Penalty Box Radio, ESPN 1025, The Game. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell. Producer Kenny always killing it with the bumps. Mm-hmm. I'm loving it, man. I do what I do and I can do it. Yeah, and you do it really well. <laughs> thank you, sir. So thank you. Thank you for that. Do okay. what I do with what I got. <laughs> Let's talk playoffs and so much more. Stephen Ellis, the Hockey News and a Penalty Box Radio alum. I'm very proud to say that. Yes. <laughs> very proud to say that because he's gone on to do some great, great things. Stephen, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. And that uh, that intro song was quite something. That was that was catchy. Thank you, sir. Thank you. <laughs> Got the good beat going. We'll keep that one on record for every time every we have time. you on. Yes. <laughs> so that's your walkout song, Stephen. You've been you've been really busy in covering these playoffs and doing so many video interviews and just deep down covering it as well. And we're now seeing it as as we're in the second round. It's been a long time these players have been in there. We're seeing some lopsided scores, some non-lopsided scores, things like that. What have been your general overall impressions of how this has been pulled off and the, and the quality of hockey that is being played in the playoffs right now? Well, I thought the, the opening round was awesome. That was great seeing all those teams that you know we wouldn't have seen otherwise really put in a fight, seeing the Blackhawks and Canadians go on the runs they had. But it almost looked just like, by the time the actual first round came around, which is usually the one of full chaos, the action kind of just died down. And it wasn't as much fun. There was a lot of blowouts, like you mentioned. And uh, even now in this round, we've seen a couple of blowouts. And it, it, it's, I, I think we were almost expecting a bit more. But at the same time, I'm not too uh, disappointed because we've had some crazy moments. We've had that five-overtime game. We've had some that, that Columbus Tampa Bay series is outstanding. We saw some, like we've seen good games in every series. I just think we haven't seen as much chaos that we were kind of expecting, which is almost kind of odd because when you look at the fact that these players had so much time off, you were thinking maybe everyone's going to be fully rested up and go, go, go. And uh, there's been a lot of teams that have just taken off nights and Obviously, this condensed playoff schedule makes it a little harder. Like the teams had very little off time between the first round and the second round. Of course, you got the back-to-back, but I think the players are adjusting to it well, and overall, I've been quite impressed. Speaking of chaos, it was announced today that the Coyotes are forfeiting their second-round pick in the 2020 draft and their first round in the 2021 for violating league rules on draft testing. Um, normally, this would additionally warrant a minimum of $250,000, so I kind of want to get your overall thoughts on Bettman's decision not to implement the financial punishment, and do you feel like the forfeiting of the two draft picks warrants the violation? 
Well, I think the Coyotes got off uh, as as best as it could have possibly have been because you look at the how that would have been a huge financial burden because I was looking it was going to be $250,000 per player and reports are that we're talking dozens of players well for like the team like the Coyotes that would have been massive a massive hit for them to lose so, but at the same time losing those draft picks this is a team that they've got a good prospect system but it did get, uh, get a little weaker by trading Kevin Ball away to get Taylor Hall and we don't even know if they're going to get Hall back to make it fully worth it and then you've got no pick until the fourth round this year, and they only have one pick in the first three next year. So that's not a good team for a good a good thing for a team that's kind of on the edge, looking in, trying to become a contender when they can't really build their prospect base. So it hurts, but it could have been worse. So I guess you know it's it, it's one or the other. A Coyote fan should be happy, but at the same time, looking at the future and saying, well, we need to have a really big summer to make up for that. And moving over to the East Coast in Washington, uh, the Capitals relieved Todd Reardon recently of his coaching duties. So looking at the Capitals, much like Nashville, you've got a team that on paper lines up nearly perfect, um, stacked offensively, but can't really put much of anything together in the playoffs. So looking ahead to the summer, what do you see Washington taking a really hard look at this summer to get them back to that competitive place that they used to be? Well, yeah, finding the right coach is going to be uh, an interesting one because this year I think they actually have some good options. They got Gerard Gallant, who uh, did a good job in Vegas before getting uh, pushed out there this season, and Peter Laviolette. You know, every time he goes to a team, they seem to be contenders right away, and that's what Washington needs to do because they're not going to get many years left out of Ovechkin. He's 34. He's a UFA at the end of next season, and they're going to be having some big changes. They're going to really need to address their defense situation because right now that's not looking pretty. Their goaltender, it's unlikely that Braden Holtby's back next year and that they're going to be going with a young Ilya Samsonov to lead the charge. Well, who's the backup there? So there's going to be some major holes to fill at every every position, but I think it's still kind of an exciting summer for the team because they do have a bit of cap room to play with and they do have some flexibility. They can tr- trade some draft picks away. They, the first round picks this year, they I believe there's something like 10 or 15 that have been moved at some point. And, uh, it, it, that alone has kind of made it an exciting summer for the Capitals, but they do need to play things smarter. They need to figure out their coach. They need to figure out which players are going to target this summer and obviously uh, how if they can believe that Samsonov is going to be the starter going forward next year because he is young and he did have some weak moments near the end of the year, but when he was on the top of this game, he was great. So exciting times for the Capitals, but they got to act quick because once Ovechkin's career expires, they're going to be trying to look for something new and they don't have a whole lot of prospects to build around right now. Stephen Ellis, the Hockey News, joining us right now. And, and so talking about goaltending, you just recently had a discussion with Matt Larkin uh, about backup goaltending. We're seeing it so much here in the playoffs of why it's really important to have some depth in goaltending and why some teams obviously brought four instead of just three goaltenders here as backups are getting a lot of play thanks to injuries here. It's showing as well, too, in terms of investment in a backup goaltending with a lot of teams as well. Why is it so important for teams to not overlook how the importance of a backup goaltender? Obviously, we're seeing it here, but as we go in the future as well in terms of managing the cap, especially with a flat cap, how is it going to be so important to, to make sure you have a good goaltending tandem? Well, I must have been a genius back when I was like nine years old because when I'd be playing NHL 2004, I would alternate my goalies each game and make sure they had enough playing time and get them both better. And, and, and you look at it now, it's like the teams that – uh, were higher in the standings were the ones that actually were the ones alternating the goalies. And we talk about Washington and obviously Hopi struggled this year, but they still had two goalies that gave them a shot to win every night. And you look at Boston where 
Tuka Rask is gone, and in for most teams, losing a Vesna caliber goalie would be a big, big disappointment. But for them, it's like, well, Tuka, Russell uh, Flack's a pretty good backup goalie, and Barlamov and Thomas Grice and the Islanders have been really good, and I, even Vancouver, I would be confident in Thatcher Demko. So uh, you, you look at all these teams, oh, and Dallas, another good example. They haven't had Ben Bishop, but they've had Kudobin, and Kudobin's look great. So the teams that invest in the back of goaltending spot seem to be doing really well this year because you're having to alternate. And uh, that was the, kind of a clear thing what Pittsburgh, or sorry, Vegas was looking to do. They wanted to shore up their goaltending for the playoffs. Obviously, they didn't think they'd be doing back-to-backs and have this very strange schedule to start with. But having Robin Leonard there, gave them a better shot to win each night. They didn't need to pay the price for a goalie like that when they already have Marc-Andre Fleury, who even though he was having an off year, Vegas was still looking really strong. They didn't need to go at him, but they wanted to make sure they were stable on that. Right now, that's looking good for them. So, yeah, the teams that definitely invested in two strong goalies are the ones looking good. If you look at Montreal, you saw how good Carey Price was in the playoffs this year, but then you saw in the regular season how bad they were when he wasn't in there. And Montreal is a team that just hasn't found the right balance. And that's when you, when you look at that, that's one of the biggest downfalls. But then you see these teams that have two goalies you can put in every night and feel confident. It's a difference maker. Let's switch gears to the NHL draft. And first of all, I'm looking at birth years and seeing 02 makes me feel so much older than I already felt <laughs> with looking at a lot of these kids, these children out there too. But looking at your draft rankings and, and seeing how deep this draft could be and how there's some good opportunities for some good talent in the first round as well. But I want to focus a little bit before we get to the first round, looking at, for instance, I'm being Nashville-centric here, but the Predators have two seconds and two-thirds right now in this draft. Based on your knowledge of this draft class coming up, what is the likelihood of a team being able to get a good, say, middle six player in the second or third round this year? Well, well first off, I just filed a report on a 2007-born player today. Oh. So <laughs> the, these 2002 guys almost feel old in comparison. But, uh, yeah, this, the, the nice thing about this year's draft is it is so strong. And um, you, you there's so many teams trying to trade and get into it this year because of the fact that it's considered one of the best drafts I think we've ever seen in the NHL. You look at 2003 was great, and this one's going to be uh, just as good, if not better. But when you look at the second round, there's a lot of guys that I think will kind of fall down there that couldn't be real big impact guys. And you've got some European guys like Zion Nybeck, a guy I'm a really big fan of with this skilled, speedy guy. Uh, not the toughest guy to play against, which is kind of the reason why he's fallen down. And uh, a lot of other players his age have been able to play in the, the, the Swedish men league more often. Um, so that's going to hurt him. But you look at a guy like that where they've got a lot more time to develop. And I really like the idea of teams going in the second or third round, going to get someone from Europe. Because while a lot of teams will typically go for the high-scoring CHL players, if you go the European route, and this year is a strong year for Europe, you can go out there and get guys who can take a little longer to develop, and while you don't need to rush them, I think they'll be more prepared for the NHL when they go forward. Uh, so, yeah, this year it's a lot of kind of small, skilled guys, like more than usual in terms of just pure skill. And the guys that were that you would take this year at 45, 50, 55 are closer to 30, 35 most other years. So the talent pool this year is very strong. So... I think yeah, having those picks in that second round is going to be huge. It's going to be a very exciting year, and obviously having that high pick this year helps a lot too. 
And now switching gears to free agency because it's going to be weird because we're going to have free agency in October. <laughs> uh, plus the, the, the flat cap and things of that sort. And obviously teams are going to have to adjust so much for this. So how do you foresee free agency taking place with a lot of these teams? And who are some of these guys out there that you think are, are going to be taking big deals? Or do you think big deals are even going to happen? Just, I guess, your take on free agency and how you think it's going to play out being that this is such a weird year. I think we're going to see a lot more short-term deals just for the whole flat and cap situation. And obviously, when you look at the free agency, you also have to look at the trades. Teams will be trying to clear up cap space, and that's going to be even harder to do. And uh, I think that kind of throws an interesting wrench in this all. And a guy like Taylor Hall, who didn't have a great time in Arizona and had an off year altogether, is definitely going to get less than he would in a year where the cap actually did go up. And I think that's it sucks for those players, but you might see some guys that, are quality players almost taking kind of like these deals that are just more let's prove it for a year let's see where we go Braden Holby's a good example Holby had a terrible year but when he's good he's worth six and a half million dollars seven million around that range but I don't think he's going to get that based off of how bad of a year he had and the fact that he that is a flattened cap and teams might not be willing to spend as much especially through everything going on financially around the league so I think we're going to see a lot of short-term contracts to just kind of Feel it out, and once the cap goes back up, assuming it does, uh, especially with Seattle, I think teams will be willing to take longer deals. But also keep in mind, we got Seattle next year, which means if you have a player who's a pending uh, free agent, you sign him now for a one-year deal, and you don't have to protect them. And that's one other guy you don't have to worry about. So th- that could be the thing too. It's it's definitely an interesting year of the flattened cap and because of Seattle, but I, I do project there's going to be a lot more short-term contracts. And that makes absolutely a lot of sense. So before I have to let you go, got to ask, did you watch the Indy 500? Oh, you betcha. You betcha. I was watching it <laughs> in my pool, actually. It was great. <laughs> whoa, whoa, that's even better. So a lot of people have asked, and because just sports in general, the way it ended, obviously under caution, was very unique because we typically don't see that much in NASCAR. They'd rather red flag it. Do you know the reasoning why? Because everybody's been asking about that. And what did you think about the way the Indy 500 ended? Basically, NASCAR is kind of the only series where they're willing to go over the, the the designated time and you look at endurance racing it's a 24-hour race it doesn't matter if it pours rain the whole 24 hours it's done at the 24-hour mark and i like that the 500 wasn't willing to to extend it the other thing was based off of reports from the track there were guys the guys that would fix the the barrier where they get hit that took a long time, over an hour. Mm-hmm. So they would have had to wait a long time to then get these guys back in the car or antsy for a one-lap dash, one dash. I think that would have been pretty <laughs> dangerous. But I will also say that I did. Uh, I helped a friend with a bet on the Indy 500. I changed my bet at the last second. He won $1,000. I walked away with nothing. Oh. So I'm bitter about that. Oh, well, sorry to bring that up, man. <laughs> Jeez, Justin. So I, I, didn't, I didn't realize I'd trigger that. I'd, well, well, boy, switch gears right into racing, and I knew you could because I know it's a big thing for you as well. So, Stephen, thanks so much for taking the time to join us. We appreciate it, man. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you very much. All right, folks, Stephen Ellis, he covers hockey for the Hockey News. You can follow him on Twitter at Stephen Ellis, THN. Great hockey coverage there. A lot of good conversations between him and Matt Larkin as well, covering all different types of topics on hockey. And obviously, this guy knows so much about prospects and goes way deep into looking years down the road and writing about prospects. And that's what he did for us with PBR. So love his knowledge of the game. Yeah, he can just obviously, as you you were able to see, (laughs) he can bounce from one thing to the next so quickly. And it's fascinating. I love the way his brain 
brain works. Oh, yeah. Love it. And also the obscure sports, the obscure hockey things as well, because he loves talking about hockey in different countries that mm-hmm. is, where it's just not as popular. So it's really cool to see Steven's work. Okay. Up next, lots of questions to answer of various topics, as always, because it's August and there's professional hockey going on and it's 2020. That's up next. Penalty Box Radio, ESPN, 1025, The Game. Welcome back to Penalty Box Radio, ESPN 102.5 The Game. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell, producer Kenny. Kenny, I gotta, I gotta ask. Yes, sir. Where, where do you come up with so many great ideas for songs? I'm just eclectic. That's all. I was gonna use. <laughs> my gosh, was that your word? I was gonna give you the word. I was gonna yeah, use. I am. I just want to say, man, I appreciate you. I appreciate you guys for letting me. Yeah, man. Because Take my platform on this darn thing. Of course. Well, Variety is the spice of life. Isn't that yes. what they say? Yeah, and I you've can't got just so keep it just much. one dimensional. No, i no. got to reach out to all genres. Oh, yeah. And it's fun because we sit in here like, okay, what's the next one? I know. And that's what's what it I gonna aim be? for. And that's what I want. And for me, it's the touch the producer's personality, which for me helps make the show. Mm-hmm. So thank you. Know you know what? You just touched my heart. And we need thank some you. love around here. Absolutely. <laughs> that was good, man. That, that's a jam. I'm going to have to listen to that on the way yeah. home. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, let's get to our questions. This one comes from Wes. So we've been seeing a lot, obviously, with high school sports, the TSSAA, but what's been happening in Metro, and obviously not allowing fall sports to take place yet, but in other counties it can. So Wes is asking, how does the Metro decision on fall sports, like football, affect Gene Ash hockey? Well, a couple weeks ago had John Williams of Gene Ash as well as Dr. James Loesch who is the medical professional uh, advising Gene Ash Hockey and what to do there, too. So the big thing to, to know is that Gene Ash is, sep- is separate from the TSSAA. So since the rinks are open and allowing play to happen just with restrictions in terms of how team how players have to get ready, the people that are allowed in there in the building as well, they can only have one parent for those that are under 18. Over 18, no spectators allowed, but if you're under 18, which will be the majority of Gene Ash players, they're allowed to have one representative in there basically as the parent or, or guardian uh, to be in there. So as of right now, Gene Ash Hockey will be starting up and taking place. I know they'll be hitting the for practice here in a couple weeks and getting going really soon and then games in October. Um, that's consi- all things considered that it progresses that way and we don't take steps back or anything like that. But high school hockey will take place and will be one of the few things <laughs> that will be continuously going on. And we're going to do our best to cover that as well from a safe distance, but do our best to provide possible streaming options and stories on high school hockey because it is going to be very important to cover that as well. So we'll continue on with that. So, yeah, I hope that answers your question, Wes. Here we go from Peyton. Should Poyle put the phone down this summer? No. No, we should pick not. Pick it up. He needs to pick it up, pick and, it up li- and listen to offers. Pick it up and, and ship some out. I have and, a feeling that Peyton was laughing oh, maniacally totally. when he typed that. Maniacal laugh, maniacal uh. laugh. Uh, so, <laughs> yes. Yep. Pick up the phone. Pick whatever it is. I doubt it's a BlackBerry for reasons. And those of you, if you know, you know. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to laugh on that one. Um, when you know, you know. Yeah. Jordan asks, would you draft the kid at 11 that has a name that sounds like a character's name in Titanic? Well, see, this is my question now because there's a Jack Quinn mm-hmm. at number 10 
but there's also a Dawson Mercer at 12. Jack Dawson is the name, right? Yeah. So that's which one are you ele- talking about? No, that's why he said 11. <laughs> it's right in between 10 and 12. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is 11. Just, it's right in between the two. According to ISS, it is Jake Sanderson out of the NTDP. He's a defenseman. Okay. So people are going to joke, too. Oh, if it's a defenseman, boy, going to take him. <laughs> <laughs> um, if he even picks up the phone. I, I, um, I am very excited for this year's draft because I do think they're going to get a very good quality player in this draft, no matter who it is. Even if it is a defenseman, it then makes somebody else tradable in the future, too, mm-hmm. which is good for this team to continue to build. So no matter what, I think they're going to get a quality player. People are going to argue over who, but it's what's going to be available at 11. Yep. Who they have on their board. But I think it's kind of similar to the Tomasino situation where you're going to get a player that is performing right now and you hopefully would see in two years, two or three years. Yeah, and that adds value. So Absolutely does. Brandon Alter asks, if the Caps, because he's a Caps fan, I know, mm-hmm. hire LaViolette, what should Caps fans know about him? Well, you're probably going to make a deep run in two or three years and then trail off. Yep. Yeah, if I'm answering honestly, he can get you where you need to go very quickly. Yeah. Um, he might not have the staying power that some coaches have, but he, he can get the job done. Um, and also, you got to learn his favorite um, gum so you can keep it on the bench. Oh, my gosh. Because he'll thing- be smacking gum. And here's the thing with Peter LaViolette. <laughs> I think that's totally fine. If that's your expectations now, exactly. which, it, which I think they are. Because that doesn't make him a bad coach. No. And, and the expectations with Ovechkin right now, too, is he doesn't have much time left in his career. So you want a quick run. Mm-hmm. You don't want to build a team for four or five years from now. You want to bring a guy in that's like, okay, we can make to the conference final and whatever happens after that happens immediately. Yeah. And so it's getting the most out of the players possible right now for that team to win another cup with Alex Ovechkin still playing. And his entire NHL history shows that that's exactly what he does. Yeah, he'll get you to a deep run. He did it with Philly, Mm -hmm. did it with Nashville. He got the cup with Carolina. So he gets them to the point, and then it's just eventually the players have to do it. You're on your own now. You're on your own. (laughs) Or or like in the the cup final with the Predators, I mean, you have the Ryan Johansson injury, the Kevin Fiala injury, Mm -hmm. Sissons did score. Yep. (laughs) All those other things. So, uh, yeah. Yes, okay. Did. <laughs> Speaking of coaches, Mike asks if Trotz wins another cup with the Islanders, will he be a Hall of Famer? Follow up question Could Trotz have won the cup with Nashville Stanley Cup final team? Ooh, that's a question. He absolutely should be a Hall of Famer. Yep. Given his longevity mm-hmm. in the league is a big thing as well. And hopefully the voters would see that. But being a two time cup champion with two different teams. And just seeing what the Islanders have had to overcome as well in the way he's built that team up to have solid goaltending, mm-hmm. like we talked about with Steven. And you lose your quote-unquote star player in John Tavares, but then you're still able to make deep runs like this. He is proving how good of a commodity he is as a coach and how he can adjust and make players adjust to a system to be successful. He did it with Ovechkin, taught him how to play a little bit more, just a easy bit of a, of a two-way game, and look how successful he was there. There's no, he should have still been in Washington. They just don't want to pay the man. They didn't pay the damn man. Trotz would have still been there. He's ready to go. They didn't want to pay him. And now look where you are, Washington. Look where you are. You're not in the playoffs. You don't have a head coach. And Trotzy's out there making waves and doing things. He's getting it done. <laughs> getting it done on the island. So could he have won the cup with Nashville's Stanley Cup final team? That's the question that yes. it's – Yeah. I'd, yes. I yeah. totally think that he could have, but obviously at that time – what we were just talking about, Peter Laviolette having the ability to do, he might have brought it out faster, quicker. I don't know. I think maybe they just needed that jump start, but that's a really good question because, yeah. yes, absolutely. Yeah. He just, it, it, and here's the thing I've made this point in the Predators hockey group too. 
the team's ownership wasn't spending to the cap either mm-hmm. under trots. They were just getting ready and just trying to start to make some moves to build this team into a true competitor and a true op- opening the window. They were, they were a playoff team under mm-hmm. trots for sure, but they weren't a contender yet. And then they started spending money. So I think if they had spent more money under trots and, and up to that point where they could spend money on free agents or via trades or trading off assets to bring in high quality players, then I think he absolutely could have won because I think his system was fine. Yeah. If they didn't have the high end talent enough to score enough to play the defensive game and that he needs. Okay, Jason asks, we've got to wrap it up quickly here. What trades would you realistically see Poyle and company making this offseason? Who do you think is gone? I think Bonino, because mm-hmm. he has trade value. Nothing against Bonino. It's because he has trade value. You could potentially see Yarncroke, possibly because of that contract deal. And I think that you should let the free agents walk unless Craig Smith takes a big deal. Basically, a hometown discount. You let your defensive free agents walk. You bring in youth, youth, youth. Mm-hmm. When you're trading, you're not trading to make it a hockey trade. I think you're trading for assets, draft picks, or prospects that are maybe a year or two out. That's that's what I'd love to see here. And plus, then you have cap space available for the trade deadline or any time before that to make a move. If you see, hey, this team's really competitive. We have something going here. Let's add one more thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. Nick Benino is front of mind for me as far as not being quite in the core, but having the value that's going to bring someone in. I think that's right. That's where I stand. Rich so. asks real quick about Yakov Trenin being courted by the Russian national team. Oh, yeah. Russia courts you. You listen to Mother Russia. It happens all the time. It's just very open with how they're doing that, too. I'd love to see Yakov Trenin continue on this team because I think he could be a great asset in the bottom six with his energy and his mm-hmm. physicality and an offensive upside. And so hopefully he's still with his organization. He's an RFA. So we'll see in time. Okay, you miss anything? PenaltyBoxRadio.com for more coverage. Thank you so much for tuning in. We really do appreciate you for producer Kenny. Thank you so much, sir. And Glenn Blackwell, this is Justin Bradford. Thanks for listening to Penalty Box Radio here on ESPN 1025 The Game.